Welcome to the Spirited Advocate Podcast, brought to you by the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States, the leading voice for the distilled spirits industry. Now your host, Chris Swanger. Welcome back to the Spirited Advocate Podcast, conversations with people who make the spirits industry so much more than what's in your glass or can. I'm Chris Swanger, the President and CEO of the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States. My guest today was a finalist in last year's Discus Innovation Showcase at our annual conference. She is an award-winning leader in cocktails, spirits, and lifestyle communication, education, corporate, environmental, and social impact, and premium spirits product development. It's none other than the CEO and co-founder of Sipony, Amanda Victoria. Amanda joins us today to discuss the founding of her brand, Sipony, innovation throughout the industry, and how the rise of the ready-to-drink cocktail is changing the market forever. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to Sipony? Sure. Where to begin? Where to begin? So my name is Amanda Victoria, and I started in the world of wine and spirits officially back in 2005. So it's been a couple of decades now in the business. I started behind the bar or rather even as a waitress in hospitality, somewhat humble beginnings, put my time in working in hospitality and really loving every moment of that. It wasn't originally the plan to become a professional in the world of wine and spirits, but I guess the universe had different plans for me. A couple of decades later, and I'm still here. It's awesome. The role that bartenders play and you having this, that perspective on the front lines with consumers, there's no substitute for that. Take us back for the moment. In, in 2010, you founded Aperitif Hour, a cocktail, wine, and spirits communication and education company. What inspired that project? So Aperitif Hour is like all of my entrepreneurial. Oh, hold on, Amanda. I said Aperitif. It's Aperitif. I'll follow your lead. So Okay, no worries. Aperitif. Sorry, audience. So <laughs> warning moment. Thank you. No worries at all. And I think that you could you could probably get away with pronouncing it both ways. But Aperitif Hour, like most of my entrepreneurial pursuits, starting from a very young age till only recently last week, is one of my babies, so to speak. It is my consulting company that focuses on communications and education within the world of wine and spirits. So a lot of please drink responsibly, but also opening the consumer moment to what the world of wine and spirits can really be from a lifestyle perspective. So from hosting aperitif hours or happy hours to working with journalists, working as a journalist, anything where communications is at the front, as well as education is, is what I use aperitif hour for when working. That is awesome. And back to Sipony, it's a whiskey spritz that Pope boasts, and I love this, honeybee sustainability in a can made with the best ingredients. Can you tell us a little bit about the distilling and the production process? Yeah. So Sipony is my more recent baby. Uh, Sipony came to be in 2019. My partner, Joseph Mintz and myself came together, a dynamic duo, but also we're partners in life and business. Joey comes from the world of horticulture and operations. I always call him 
the earthy element of the business. He always has his hands in the dirt and loves uh, anything with gardening and saving the planet and all of this great stuff. So I was very inspired by Joey to create a product that would, in essence, redirect funds, profits back to the environment. So when we say that Sipony boasts honeybee sustainability in a can, it, yes, we're whiskey spritz in a can. But what we do every day is we partner with nonprofit partners across the country and around the world at this point, as well as vetting our supply chain for the most environmentally friendly practices from start to finish. We recognize that we're not experts in saving the planet, but we do fund from the very lucrative world of wine and spirits. We do give our profits, a portion of profits. We commit 2% or more of our revenue per year to our nonprofit partners across the country. Well, thank you for your leadership on that. And, you know, Discus was excited to present y'all the second place in last year's innovation showcase at the Discus conference in Austin. You know, our industry is constantly evolving and, you know, the leadership by you and your partner is what's going to make this industry thrive and continue to be precious for years to come. What distinguishes y'all from other innovation brands? I mean, you've got a lot of innovation already, but what's, what's the main point of distinction? I say we ended up being an innovative product, not by happenstance, but in the reality of what our pursuit was, our environmental mission. I always say that we can't enjoy a cocktail if we don't have a planet to stand on in a few years and being, or in a few generations rather, but being in the business for a couple of decades myself at this point, I've seen the planet deteriorate <laughs> within my time in the world of wine and spirits. So I felt it was absolutely irresponsible to start a company without having the environmental aspect at the forefront of what we do every day. So I did the response, in my opinion, the responsible choice to make a portion of all of our profits from day one, since actually day zero, the day before we made our first donation before going to the market it was really important to uh, put that into our narrative. And I think that's where we tie innovation in to the the practice of what Sipony is. Yes, innovative in the way that we've put this in our DNA, environmentalism in our DNA. It's not just a program. It's not something that we do in O&D every year. It's something we do every day. And it's the reason why we're in business is because we want to add something good to the planet. Yeah. Give back. Yeah. And for those of you, follow Amanda Victoria on Instagram because all of that reflects that commitment in that leadership. You're an advisory board member on Detroit Hives, which I love this. I hadn't heard about Detroit Hives before. They're incredible. How did you find the, the love for honeybees, which we all know, I think in large part, honeybees make, makes the world tick. Yeah, exactly. Honeybees make the world tick. Exactly. I found that you could walk down the street in New York City and everyone has heard of save the bees, save the bees, save the bees. And I wanted to be able to offer a more direct answer to how do you save the bees? It was something that we've all, you could see it on a bumper sticker, but what does that really mean? And how can we put some action behind that tagline of save the bees, so to speak? So Sipony identified saving the bees as the first step to recovering our planet in crisis. And that is exactly where we wanted to put our money at, where our mouths were, quote, saving the bees. <laughs> awesome. What's your view? I mean, sustainability is the, the opportunity. Sustainability equals profit if you do it right. 
What's your view on the broader industry and the commitment to sustainability and why is it so important for distilleries and for greener practices for the greater good of the industry and the planet? Well, for distilleries specifically, obviously it's going back to the agriculture of the product that we're making. I think that somewhere, perhaps it was in the 90s, somewhere along the way, there was a disconnect between spirits being a byproduct of agriculture, which is important to acknowledge that we're coming from the dirt with everything that we create in this industry. From grain to glass, right? Grain to glass. Yes, from grain to glass, from farm to table. Or can, grain to uh, can too. (laughs) Yes, exactly. All of it. So acknowledging that basis of the raw material where we started is important. And I think perhaps we forgot that more recently. I want to say maybe it was in the 90s. I'll say it again, but I'm not sure. Having been in the business for a couple of decades, again, (laughs) I've seen the consumer education opportunity be forgotten of the agricultural nature of wine and spirits in the world of wine and spirits. Wine does a great job at it. And I think that spirits, we need to continue to build that narrative every day. And that's a big inspiration again for Sipany, going back to look at our entire supply chain, all of the farmers that we work with, betting the entire supply chain for an element of locality, low emissions, everything that we can do as a manufacturer, because Sipany doesn't, unfortunately, for better or worse right now, we don't distill our own product, but we do manufacture our beautiful RTDs with a very strategic and nuanced eye for flavor, quality, the best ingredients, but also not to put any additional impact on the environment as we do so trying to keep our emissions neutral, if not negative. Absolutely. And it's a significant commitment by Discus, for sure, in our great member companies. And we will try to play a role uh, to galvanize and grow and expand and help support our distillery and our industry partners to really take this great industry to a wonderful place that will benefit the planet, no doubt about it, but will also help drive the business in support of our consumers that are starting to expect this. Now, with all the challenges with the pandemic, it did present, you know, a unique challenge for on-premise partners and, but also opportunities with cocktails to go. Ready to drink cocktails grew by 42.3% from 2020 to 2021. And your brand falls into that category. What is the strategy behind going into this market, the canned cocktail craze, which it looks like there's no wind in sight. There is no seen ceiling to this consumer craze and the positive that is adopting canned cocktails. Yeah, very good points. And how you opened with stating about the on-premise and the trials and tribulations that the on-premise has gone through within the pandemic. By no means was Sipany designed to replace the bartender. And I do, as a bartender, a former bartender myself, have so much respect for uh, hospitality workers and those especially who endured the what I imagine were the hardest years and are continuing to endure that in working in hospitality. And and truthfully, my heart is with, with those workers in hospitality. I did not have the foresight necessarily in 2019 when we came together and created Sipany. It was about three to three months before the pandemic, three or four months. I was six months pregnant at the time, and it was what was the summer of a product that everyone had in their hand, a can that everyone had in their hand in 2019. I had a frustration moment. I noted that I was pregnant because I was frustrated 
for sure. But I was also inspired and passionate about creating a canned product where people knew what they were drinking. I found in the summer of 2019, when cans became hot for the malt beverages, the debut of this last wave of cans that we're seeing now, people didn't know what was inside of the can. They thought they were drinking a vodka soda. They didn't realize that the cans that they were drinking were a byproduct of malt and more similar to a beer. So there was an opportunity for education. And going back to my former company or current, but less of a focus company, Aperitif Hour, education is something that I'm so passionate about. And it was frustrating to see consumers drinking something and not understanding that they weren't actually drinking a vodka soda. Right. It might have tasted like water, but it wasn't a vodka soda. Posing a little bit, right, Amanda? Posing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as any good entrepreneurial pursuit starts out, it was solving a problem or recognizing an opportunity in the market to solve a problem of transparency and to bring quality into the can. I wanted to offer something that was both quality driven and also convenient to be able to have that same high level of cocktail that you would have at a bar inside your home. But no, I didn't have the foresight that the whole world would shut down quickly after creating this. That didn't necessarily not work in my favor, so to speak, but it did create an opportunity to, again, show that we can still have quality within the home. And nowadays, the next step after that, as the world is opening up again, is about convenience and being able to open your fridge and have something conveniently of that quality, consistently, something consistently. And then also in the bar, on the in the on-premise, bartenders are, again, as a bar, former bartender myself, we're always doing so much work in closing down the bar, opening up the bar, cleaning the bar, maintaining the bar, being able to offer Sipony and other high-quality RTDs in the on-premise in a glass and with a beautiful garnish is still offering an elevated option for consumers at a lower labor cost, per se. So there is opportunity for Sipony and other premium RTDs in the on-premise as well, still, as the world opens up again. And I think that's why we'll continue to see this wave grow. <laughs> grow, continue. I mean, what's amazing about it is that it expands the occasions for, for spirits, right, in the positive. Any trends you think are just fads? What are you seeing in the market now? It's such an amazing time. You know, with all the challenges with the pandemic, you were faced with that three or four months. You know, you landed on this phenomenal idea and had to navigate those challenges. What's a fad and what's here to stay? Is there anything you'd like to see less of? To answer the less of right away, what's a fad? Not necessarily a fad, but we've seen this in other products in the past, specifically in the vodka category and then also in whiskey. And I think we'll see it in tequila. Whenever um, you turn into a flavor house and there are many SKUs and you have a cotton candy version of this and a bubblegum version of that, and you're really deviating from your core SKU, so to speak, your flagship, I think that that's not going to last. We're going to see a lot of these flavors, the peppermint version, the uh, all of these different things. They're going to slowly be stripped away as they do. I think they're intended probably to see what sticks, throw it at the wall and see what sticks, right? So we'll see the flavor houses, I think, start to drop, especially in the category of RTDs. Consumers are overwhelmed at this point. I'd like to see the last can standing, so to speak, coming up. And then in terms of what we, I believe what we will see, of course, is what I'm trailblazing every day and pushing forward every day. So 
It is the premiumization of this sector to make a better offer, an offering inside of cans with better ingredients, education for consumers to understand that they're drinking something that is akin to something that could be made in a bar of high quality and aged spirit in a can. People thought I was crazy for putting a four to seven-year-old aged dry whiskey in a can back in 2019 when we first did it. I think we may- I bet, breaking a glass ceiling. <laughs> yeah, bet, right? we may have been the very first can with an aged spirit. And I think that there was a lot of pushback from- I myself am a scotch drinker. I I love scotch whiskey. That is my personal drink of choice. And I thought it was even a little bit sacrilegious to put a high premium spirit inside of aluminum, but we did it and we did it with the science behind it to, to really preserve all of the beautiful flavor and quality of the liquid in a way that hadn't been done before. So I think we're going to see premiumization inside of cans as we've seen it across all different categories, premiumization in the world of whiskey, premiumization in the world of vodka, moving obviously a little bit extra far in the world of vodka, and then of course, tequila. But similarly with cans, we're going to see the consumer moment wanting to trade up to something that is a little bit better, more conscious of what they're putting in their body, asking more questions. What, how is this made? What is it made from? Where is it made? And who is it made by? These are really important questions that consumers are, besides spirits, when you go to Whole Foods and any any grocery store, you're asking questions and consumers ask a lot of questions. And I think having more honest premium products with quality behind them and missions, if, if you want to put a mission behind it too, is very important. Absolutely. Well, Amanda, I mean, this is innovation. This is sustainability. This is quality super premium in a can and tearing it up for the betterment of the industry and the planet. So cheers to you. Thank you so much, Chris. Cheers to you guys. Uh, I love Discus. It's such a great opportunity for us to be a member of Discus this year and to be recognized by you guys in the Innovation Showcase. Thank you so much. Thanks, Amanda. I'd like to give a big thank you to Amanda for joining us today to talk a bit about innovation in our industry, the work that Symphony is doing to save the honeybee, and the future of the ready-to-drink cocktail. I'd also like to thank you for listening to this episode of the Spirited Advocate podcast. Ask your bartender for a Symphony or visit the local ABC and package store to pick up a can. And remember, of course, always drink responsibly. And subscribe to this show so you'll never miss an episode. I'm Chris Swanger. This has been the Spirited Advocate Podcast, brought to you by the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States. Mm